all good. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Power Podcast. Uh, I am James Prescott, your host. Welcome to the show. Um, and a new guest today. Um, many, If you've been listening for a while, you'll know that every so often we kind of uh, go into geek world and talk about um, philosophy and theology and geekdom and different aspects of geekdom. And because uh, I'm a bit of a geek as well, um, love my superheroes and Star Wars and things like that. Um, and today is one of those episodes um, with a friend of mine from Twitter. Um, and I'm really excited about this conversation. Um, welcome to the convers- welcome to the podcast, Emma Morrison. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be doing this. I We've been planning this for a while. I'm really happy that we're getting to do it. Um, I think it's going to be really fun. I'm looking forward to this chat. Yes, uh, this has been coming for a while. We've um, interacted a lot on Twitter regarding lots of different geeky stuff. Um, lots of geeky stuff. Lots of different shows, live tweeting different shows. Um, yeah, and this conversation has been coming for a while. So, uh yeah, um, and yeah, what I wanted to talk about really is kind of your own personal journey, kind of deconstruction, transformation, but in the context of kind of your geek journey and start, so kind of starting with that. So, it, uh, yeah, it's it's always been an intertwined experience for me, for sure. Um I grew up, um, I'm from Canada. For those of you who don't know that, I'm from Canada. I live in Ontario, um, which is where the majority of the Canadian population resides. Um, And I grew up uh, going to Pentecostal churches and uh, Christian home, both my parents. Uh, My mom is the daughter of missionaries. Uh, So this is a very (laughs) generational thing in some aspects. and. You know, thankfully, um, you know, as I've I've gone through this deconstruction uh, process and I'm hearing, you know, stories from other people and people sharing their journeys, I'm listening and I'm going, oh, my God, like, you know, my parents protected me and my sibling from siblings from, you know, so much nonsense happening in in this, you know, wild Christian world. Um, and thankfully I, my parents never really limited my intake of like creative material. Um, because you know, my mom, her undergraduate degree is in English literature and she has always loved books. And my dad, um, is who really got me into geeky stuff. Uh, because you know, he's always just been like obsessed with science fiction, obsessed with, like you said, superheroes, um, Star Wars, Star Trek, Stargate, you know, the, the three, three food groups when it comes to science fiction, (laughs) um, you know, and we have this really great, uh, bond between, um, me and my dad as a result of that shared interest, um, which is something I really cherish about our relationship. Um, But also, you know, this ability to, you know, dream and imagine the way things could be rather than just looking at them how they are. Um, I was actually just talking about this yesterday with my parents on Mother's Day and my mom was saying, you know, like, your dad is the dreamer and I'm the pragmatic one. Uh, So I've always, you know, been exposed to those really big science fiction stories. And I remember um, my dad telling me, um, and he, um, he's in, he turned 70 this year. So he, you know, grew up and was a young teenager and a young adult during the 60s. Um, And so when 2001 A Space Odyssey came out in the cinema, he went and saw it 12 times at the theater. 12 times. He, you know, and he like remembers going and seeing A New Hope. Back then it was just called Star Wars because there was just the one movie. Um, Seeing it for the first time in the cinema and going back and seeing it over and over and over again. Um, And, you know, that's that's really where those interests started for me. Um, 
specifically with Star Wars, I've, I've written about this in the past, but like, I have always been loud and bossy and a little bit a lot. Um, and so I remember the first time and, you know, subsequent times after that, because, you know, I don't really remember the very first time, um, but seeing Carrie Fisher as Princess Leia, um, I saw myself on film you know, as a really small child. And it was just, it was all over for me after that. Like that was it. I was obsessed and, you know, wanted to emulate her in every, in every way. And that's sort of where that whole <laughs> geekdom, as you call it, started for me was just like really early on seeing this um, beautiful and, angry and bossy and tender and loving and kind and smart woman, you know, taking care of business. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a very, like, it's an image I've never been able to, to shake for my entire life. It's really powerful, isn't it? When you, when you think about it, the image of her and especially, especially the first movie as well. She's, because she's she's really small physically. Oh, but, diminutive, absolutely but, tiny. But really strong and really empowered and fearless. Um, she takes up the whole well. room as soon as she walks in. She takes up the whole room. Yeah, and, that's it. Yeah, she owns the room. Yeah. yeah, like yeah, absolutely every time. It's funny actually because now I think about it, it reminds me of my mother because my mother was like five foot two, mm-hmm. right? But she, yeah, she owned the room. Like she was very strong-willed, very determined, very, um, very much a free spirit, very much her own woman. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that, and that must be. I mean, it's incredible how that character has been so, will be such an inspiration to women and a symbol of women empowerment. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because. Yeah, because as a white man, of course, I probably wouldn't understand that and wouldn't have noticed that when I first saw it. Right? Um, yeah, <laughs> um, especially because my my favourite character was probably Luke when I first started watching it. Um, if you don't love Luke, you're wrong. It's just that's yeah, that's, that's just it. I, I've never been like hand hand so I've never been like the the kind of lovable rogue thing. That's not that's never been who, who I am. But everyone loves him. <laughs> um, I was just like the good guy. <laughs> he did the right thing, you know, and um, took care of everybody, you know. Um, but um, but yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, and we saw we saw we saw it like in the later movies, the recent ones, how much of a strong character she really was as well, because she becomes the leader. Of the resistance. Oh, straight up. Just everyone is in deference to her at all times because, you know, you have these other figures, you know, like Mon Mothma and, you know, all these other characters that I do really adore as well. But then you have something special in Leia Organa, right? You have not only that aspect of just... Like, she, like I said, she walks into a room and she commands commands the room with her presence, you know. But she is not just a politician. She was always willing to, number one, put herself in harm's way. Um, I always laugh at this because, you know, once Rogue One came out, we had this beautiful scene. Everyone knows the scene I'm talking about, this hallway scene where Vader dramatic ass Anakin Skywalker turns the lights off on his breathing apparatus just so that he can have this dramatic, you know, entrance with his lightsaber. And then you watch these like rebellion fighters passing, physically passing this disc from person to person along this hallway, gorgeously shot, gorgeously choreographed. And then you see Leia get the disc handed to her. And then it absolutely splices right into the beginning of a new hope. Right. And so you have Vader chasing these people along this Star Destroyer into the Tantive Four. And he watches the Tantive Four pull away from the, you know, from the Star Destroyer. And then we see 
him show up in that very first scene in A New Hope and he's like, where are the plans? And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's like, lady, I just saw with my own two visor holes what just happened. What are you doing? And she's just so bold and like straight up, like she's straight up lying to his face. And I think that Rogue One gave really beautiful context to those early moments because he's it does. Just, it really does. Yeah. She's just like, and she does that that lovely little English accent in the scene where she's talking to to Tarkin because she's mocking him. Yes. Oh, I the balls on that girl, I swear. I <laughs> it just just kills me every time. Because there's a comedic aspect to it as well, right? And you know, you yeah. think about that in in context with, um, you know, you think about that in context with the way that she interacts with Han Solo, and you just go, "How could there ever be anyone else for either of them?" You know? Yeah, you know, it's like the chemistry is so delicious. Yeah, it just jumps off the screen, especially when he calls her "your worship" and all this kind of thing. It's like, it's Love like. Her. Yeah, it's like, yeah, you're done. Like, yeah, you, she's got you. Like, every time he calls her that, it's like she's just sucking you in, you know. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's it's really funny, actually, when you watch when you watch movies a certain way and you're looking for something specific rather than kind of just following the bigger plot of the film. It's, I think it actually becomes really int- much more interesting. I, I sometimes do that with films that I've seen a number of times. Like, I've watched... Um, I've watched some of the MCU movies like that, um, you know, what, like following a particular character's arc through those movies. Oh yeah, um, and like those little character beats that you don't necessarily know notice the first because, like, the first time you're watching a film, you're just like totally enraptured, right? Like you're just you're you're watching it. This is all brand new information, and you're like, oh my god! But um, for those of y'all listening who don't know me very well. Um, Star Wars is a hyper fixation for me. And so I watch Star Wars movies a couple of times a week. And I notice something different every single time I watch. And yes. So every once in a while, I'll be like, how many days has it been since I last viewed a Star Wars? That is, that is far too long. I must, I must view a Star Wars. And my husband's like, please, I'm begging you, watch another movie. And I'm like, no, I, I shan't. I, I will not be doing that. But it's it's really nice to see those those small, you know, character beats. And that's something, like you said, like the MCU movies have so many gorgeous moments like that. And you really don't notice the first time you're viewing them because of the scale of the film. You're just really focused on, you know, those big things. But then when you have the opportunity, you sort of know what's going to happen plot-wise. Like you said, you you can really focus on those, you know, tiny bits that just make it resonate so much more, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. Um, yeah. I love that. I love that because you can, you can understand character arcs. And identify them with yourself, with them yourself. I said, mm-hmm. I think I said on this podcast how much I resonate with um, Steve Rogers' journey. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just build like my own journey, like because it's a whole deconstruction journey, um, especially Winter Soldier. Um, but the whole thing is kind of a deconstruction, transformation, embodiment, um, almost decolonializing as well, kind of journey. Oh, 100%. He's, you know, he's unpacking the disparity between what he thinks should be and what actually is. And I think that's something that's really difficult for Steve because he is very much that idealist in the sense that he's, you know, fighting for truth and justice and the American way. But the American way, sometimes, a lot of the time, actually, you know, he realizes has nothing to do with truth or justice. And I think, like you said, like Winter Soldier specifically digs into that really well. Um, it does. I, yeah. yeah. I, defi- I definitely feel you on that. Steve is my favorite. No question. Yeah. 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 I can't. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> his story's my favorite. I mean, I know there's other great stories in the MCU, but but um, he's my favorite. Um, and he gets a good ending as well. His mm-hmm. story's like the most satisfying. Um, um, yeah, yeah, but um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, talking about going back to Star Wars, yeah, the whole. Uh, like you say, the, um, we're talking about the arc of Leia, aren't we? That that's an interesting arc, especially especially in that was actually one of the most interesting parts of the newer films was mm-hmm. her arc in those movies because it gets more. I think it gets more focus in those movies than it did in the um, the original trilogy. It wasn't um, delved into as much, but. Um, in this in this kind of set of movies, it really is. And well, and uh, the, the, all of the the stuff that came with the sequel trilogy as well. So you have this new—they're calling it like the new canon, the Disney canon um, of novels as well, right? And so they had you know schedules of novels coming out leading up to certain films, and you know whatever else. And then there's these two there's these two novels um, specifically. They're both by Claudia Gray. If y'all haven't read anything by Claudia Gray, what are you doing? She's incredible. So there's two two novels that focus on Leia, uh, specifically um, that tie into her, like you were saying, her arc and her journey in um, in the sequel trilogy. You've got Bloodline, which um, takes place before it was leading up to The Force Awakens. And it was about how the First Order developed and like was first conceived of um and sort of Leia's role and and what happens in that novel is that the new republic senate finds out that Darth Vader was Anakin Skywalker because it's only the people pertinent to the story at that point who know right and then you have her going through this journey of she's no longer trusted because she's Vader's daughter and then you have all of this other stuff going on. And it's just really incredible. And the way that um, Claudia Gray dives into um, the way Leia feels there is just really beautiful. And then there's also, um, and, that, and that one's an adult, technically classified as adult. Um, but then we have also uh, Leia, Princess of Alderaan, which uh, was came out leading up to The Last Jedi. And that book... Uh, follows the journey in Leia's earlier teenage years, so like right before A New Hope, um, in her journey to complete the trials in order to be named the heir apparent of Alderaan. Um, And one of my favorite characters is introduced in that book, Emmeline Holdo, Um, you know, Admiral Mm -hmm. Holdo, and we have this beautiful moment with her in, you know, The Last Jedi, just absolutely gorgeously portrayed by Laura Dern. Um, but this novel, this young adult novel, um, shows them meeting each other and becoming friends and uh, Leia learning the value of uh, friendship with other women. Just really beautiful. And so alongside the more, like you said, the more focused arc um, in the films, we have um, we have this extraneous uh, extra material as well that's also really gorgeous and just really um, lends depth to uh, to to her journey through those those sequel films for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and how in so I mean how in terms of your own deconstruction, how did uh, you know, how did that all kind of how did how did the story of Leia and and, your, and Star Wars generally? What role did that play in in your deconstruction and in your deconstruction journey? So, like like we've talked about in the past, uh, you and I together, there is a handful of different things that sort of were instrumental in in that journey for myself. But in in the specific, uh, you know, the lens of Star Wars, it's very much um, predicated upon the disillusionment um, surrounding the Jedi. So in the first, you know, in the first three films, there are no Jedi. 
except for Luke, Obi-Wan and Yoda, right? So we've got this, you know, it's a lost people and Luke is the last one. And, you know, you've got all of this, but then we have all of this other material. We've got um, texts like Jedi Fallen Order, the the game um, that follows a, uh, a Padawan that escaped the purge. And then you have things like Rebels that also features a Jedi that escaped the purge. Um, and then you have characters like Ahsoka, um, who, because at the, I, I mean, spoilers, y'all, at the time, she was no longer a part of the Jedi Order. She also escaped the purge. Um, and then you have, you know, and this is, this is one of the reasons why I absolutely love The Last Jedi. You have Luke just absolutely disillusioned by the Jedi. And, you know, he says, you know, like the, the vanity of the Jedi and the, you know, the hubris, the, the pride that, you know, you've got all of these things going on. And then you sort of have, you know, these wonderings of like, what would have happened if certain principles of, you know, the Jedi order were different. Like if Anakin hadn't been forced to, you know, repress his emotions, if he had been allowed to express them and explore them and heal them in a constructive way, you know, what would have happened? What would a healed Anakin Skywalker look like, you know? Um, and that was sort of how I started to view my own faith tradition. I was just, it was more and more, I kept seeing, seeing things that I couldn't unsee you know? Um, and this mostly happened when I went away to university, um, and was, you know, out of the bubble, um, which was really good. I can't, can't tell you enough, uh, how important moving away from home, um, and away, you know, forging my own path, uh, you know, away from that community, um, was to, to, you know, my eventual, um, deconstruction. Um, just this really, like, has everything I have always known? Is it true? Is it untrue? Um, look at all the harm it does. Does it do any good at all? Um, I don't want to be associated with those people who are, you know, perpetrating this harm. And, you know, that really difficult question of, um, similar to the one that, you know, Luke is, is working through in The Last Jedi, like, he, he sort of took, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater approach, um, which wasn't necessarily right, which is, you know, that conversation that he has with Ray in um, Rise of Skywalker. He says, you know, like, I was wrong. I messed up. I shouldn't have done that. Um, and, you know, finding that that balance because, like, you know, um, for those of us who grew up in Christianity, there's very much this um, don't trust yourself, don't trust your instincts because, you know, the heart is wicked and deceitful and, you know, all of these things. And then, you know, saying, but like, where are these feelings coming from? Like, what, what is that about? Um, the only times, like something I learned myself, the only times that I, you know, regretted actions or inactions was when I didn't listen to my gut, when I didn't listen to my, you know, you know, trust your feelings, you'll know it to be true sort of thing. Um, and once I started, you know, trying to listen to myself, and as weird as it is, that's, that's part of the Jedi philosophy, right, is like trusting your instincts and you know, not necessarily trusting what you see with your eyes. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's a, an interesting balance that I had to sort of work through. Um, and, you know, the, ba like, again, that concept of balance, just like, you know, between the light and the dark and like, what does balance mean? Because you have this, you know, this prophecy of like, you know, the chosen one who will bring balance to the force. And like, what does that mean? George, what does that mean? You never told us. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, just sort of trying. It was, it was a lot of learning to trust myself. Um, and 
that's definitely the role that Star Wars played for me in my deconstruction, for sure. Because there are a lot of aspects, you know, of the faith that I grew up in that I still, you know, hold on to. And, you know, I... It's it's a it's a difficult process. It's a it's a continual process. It's not like one day you arrive at, you know, here's deconstruction, mm-hmm. you've arrived. That's not that's not it. It's you're gonna be unpacking, you know, those damaging theologies forever for the rest of your life. And, you know, this concept in the more recent Star Wars content of, you know, those Jedi who escaped the purge or, you know, like Ray, like trying to learn what is the right thing to do? Like, what is my place in all of this? Where am I going? Who am I? Um, you know, it's okay to trust yourself in that respect. Like, I don't, I don't need someone else to tell me who I am. Um, which, you know, it, it comes down to a lot of that. Um, within Christianity, it's a lot of, um, you know, adhering to the community norms. And if you fall outside of those, then good luck. Um, Mm. And, you know, that was hard for me, because it was sort of like, I don't know, like, what am I doing? I this is what I've done my whole life, but that doesn't seem right to me anymore. And then it's like, you know, unpacking those, those teachings for the rest of your life, again, similarly to the way that those um, Ahsoka specifically trying to reconcile what she knows to be right in her heart versus what everyone else is telling her is right. Um, Mm. And, you know, I think Anakin goes through that as well. Um, Luke and Leia go through that absolutely as well. I think that's a huge you know, theme in Star Wars. And it's it's also, to tie it back into the MCU, that, that quote that's like, you know, um, when you're a tree in a river and the river says, like, move, you say, you plant yourself and say, like, no, you move because, you know, I know I'm doing the right thing. Um, that's, that's, that's really where where Star Wars came into it for me. There were, there were other things that, you know, dealt with more of those... <laughs> more esoteric theological questions. Um, but for sure it was Star Wars Marine was a lot about identity outside of the community and um, learning to trust my myself um, and trust my instincts because I mean obviously nobody's perfect and my instincts have been wrong on occasion. <laughs> um, but there were a lot of times um, when I was still, you know, really entrenched in, in my community where I ignored my gut feelings and was harmed as a result. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's been tough in that respect, sort of sorting that out and working. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I understand all of that. That makes so much sense. I mean, like, as somebody who lost a parent um, as well, lost my mother, it's weird that I, I always find myself resonating with Anakin. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, especially it's, yeah, you know, in, in the anger that he has and the unresolved grief that he has. And the, um, the, the, always- loss of, the, the loss of control, I think was a big thing for him. Like the, like yeah. things are happening to him that he has no control over and he was not okay with that. Yeah. And, yeah, and kind of the need to the desire to control everybody to protect them, like mm-hmm. good intentions, right? Um, and he's confused, and he doesn't know what to do, and he's there's no one helping him, there's no one supporting him, there's no one, you know, there's no therapy. No, <laughs> um, no, he's, not at he's, all. Told, he's told not to feel his feelings and not to listen to his feelings, and. And uh, feelings are bad, you know, and it's very like evangelicalism, Christianity. Oh, God. <laughs> Isn't it though? Um, you know, and so when he's so when so when he kind of is, is that confused and emotional, I, I I felt sorry for him. Because oh. like Qui Gon Jinn, if he didn't die in the Phantom Menace, right? 
I don't think we'd have had Darth Vader at all. Like, <laughs> well, and and you know, like Dave Filoni, who does um, the animated shows, he has this really beautiful, this really beautiful statement he has about about Qui Gon Jinn specifically and what Duel of the Fates in the Phantom Menace meant, and why is it called Duel of the Fates? They are fighting for the fate of Anakin. So you have, oh God. And it was, it was in gallery. It, the, the, the gallery episodes for uh, season one of the Mandalorian. And he just has this. And if you haven't, if you haven't watched gallery, you really must because just the way that he describes, like I, there was a long time where people would be like, Oh, the Phantom Menace sucks. And I would be like, it doesn't, but I can't really articulate to you why. And then, you know, Dave Filoni gives this, this, you know, two minute speech about, you know, this duel of the fates, that really what they are, are doing is fighting for Anakin's fate, and they lose. And that's when and and he describes as and that's Palpatine's first win. Right? Yeah, that's it. it. it, it was, I, I was like, something that was completely ineffable to me before is now 100% concrete. That is the sliding doors moment in the, in the Star Wars universe. Because yeah. um, Anakin gets trained by Qui-Gon Jinn. He learns to feel his feelings and experience his feelings. He deals with them properly. He is allowed, he feels permission to. He doesn't feel like he has to hide. Mm-hmm. Um, he... He can lean into kind of his power more and express it more in a more healthy way. Mm-hmm. Um, um, he gets the benefit of Qui Gon Jinn's wisdom and maturity. Um, and and he, was doing he doesn't best. feel even the need. Yeah, he doesn't even feel the need to go to the dark side. He doesn't need to. Like he, yeah. and then he can then he then he becomes so powerful he can beat Palpatine. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just this. Right? You know, and then you think about that in context with, you know, the grooming process, right? And, you know, the the mm. most, I always say, like, the most sinister line in any Star Wars movie is at the end of Phantom Menace when <laughs> Palpatine meets, you know, little nine-year-old Anakin and says, oh, Master Skywalker, we will watch your career with great interest. And you're just like, what? What? creepy isn't it like and and that's when it starts you know it starts uh you know really really early on um you know palpatine goes oh this kid has got got some chops like there's there's potential here and begins that grooming process um and you know when i think about that in the context of the way evangelical christians specifically um, you know, are groomed to accept violence and to, um, you know, like, it's just, it's a lot. And that's something that, you know, obviously I didn't realize as a child was happening. Um, and, you know, this was something that was happening in the church, not necessarily in my home. Um, because like I said, you know, before there was a lot of things that my parents really protected us from. Um, But you have this, you know, being, it's almost like this whole, like being groomed for service thing. And it starts, and it starts when you're a teenager. Well, it starts for girls. It starts a lot younger than that, in my opinion. But um, you have this, you know, like, oh, you know, service to the community and service to the church and service to God and all this stuff. Um, But really what's happening is exploitation um, and, you know, taking advantage. And I think that is really comparable to what happened to Anakin. Um, of course, he was a grown-ass man and made his own choices. Um, while I am an Anakin fan, I am <laughs> I am not an Anakin apologist. Um, you know, you've got these, like, what would have happened without these specific things happening? And I think, and I look back on my own life 
And I, I think, you know, like what would have happened if I had done this instead of, you know, being at the church four nights a week. And, you know, my mom always say, Oh, but like you enjoyed it at the time. Like you were happy to do it at the time. And in my head, I'm like, yeah, it's cause I didn't know any better. <laughs> you know, like it was, yeah. it was my community. It was my main source of social interaction. Um, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's really difficult. And, and I think that part of the difficulty with watching the prequel films is the dramatic irony of, you know, us knowing what's happening to Anakin and he doesn't. Yeah. And that's, yeah. I think, I think when I, when I think about it in context of my own, like you said, like deconstruction journey, it it's almost more painful to watch because like you just want, you just want to scream at him, you know, you want to, you want to give him a good shake and you know, he needs a hug. <laughs> oh God, does he need a hug? <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's, uh, just, you know, and yeah. Oh yeah. It's sad. Um, yeah, it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy, isn't it? It's a tragedy. It's, and that's and that's what it comes down to, right? It's like it's it is it is tragic, um, and that's something that I think a lot of people forget is that it's like is Darth Vader badass? Yes, of course. Do I love watching him on the screen? Yes. Do I think he's a terrifying villain? Also, yes. But the I think the the tragedy of it is that he thinks he's doing the right thing. Or, yeah. he feel, or he feels like he doesn't have another choice, yeah. you know. And yeah, and even in the main trilogy, when you when you see the uh, the anger and the other you know, the, the evil, it's all anger and it's all covering up something. Mm-hmm. And like even there's this scene in Return of the Jedi where he where Luke kind of invites him to join him, and he's like. It's almost like he just stops and just says, "Like it's too late for me." Like as if yeah. like, he knows that he's chosen the wrong path already. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't feel like there's any escape, any escape from it. When there is, and there still is, um, and in the end, he does kind of, well, sort of redeem himself. You know, he doesn't. He 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 kind of he saves his son. He and he, you know, kills the emperor, which is. Probably what you could have done 20, 30 years ago if you'd not gone to the dark side. <laughs> like, um, you know. <laughs> um, and, um, but, but yeah, it, it's always, I think kind of he almost feels trapped. It, Darth Vader is almost like a trap for mm-hmm. him. It's, it's not like, I don't think it's even his, his, his preference. It's just like, well, I've, I've got no, this is, this is, any path I have, I'm trapped in this life. Like it's, and it's, it's yeah. very much the he, like you said, he feels trapped, and he thinks it's too late because he knows that what he's done is, in his eyes, irredeemable. Mm. Um, and it's well, I've already. It's sort of like that sunk cost fallacy. Like, well, I'm already. I've already messed up, so there's no there's no forward movement for me. There's just the pit, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, exactly. It, it, it's yeah. He even he's not even to me. He's not even trying when he's fighting Luke. He's not even at the end. He's not even really, really trying. He's just you know because I, I suspect if he was really trying and really kind of just completely sunk into his darkness, he would defeat him. But he's not anymore. His heart's not in it anymore. Um, because, uh, you know, it's it's very much like you have this horrible, this horrible scene at the end of Revenge of the Sith where Anakin is burning and it's horrible and it is heartbreaking every single time. I've seen that movie more than a hundred times and it's yeah, it absolutely excruciating every time. 
And then you have this moment where, you know, Padme breathes her last after she gives birth to the twins. And then you have this, this moment where Anakin, well, he's Vader at that point, but he, he, he wakes up in the Vader suit and he looks at Palpatine and says like, where is Padme? Is she safe? Is she all right? Because, you know, she was his, you know, true North in the sense that like his driving force, um, for everything that he did, um, even when he made wrong choices, you know? And then, you know, Palpatine says to him, you know, in your anger, you killed her, which isn't true. And, um, I mean, and, and it's really unclear as to whether, like, why Padme died to begin with, <laughs> number one. And um, number two, whether Palpatine knows whether she's alive or not, or whether he's just saying it to is sort of like the nail in the coffin at that point. Right. Because he, you know, doesn't like, he doesn't have anything else to live for at that point. So you have, you know, this loss of purpose and he's done all these horrible things and he, you know, is, and, and that's sort of where we find him, right. Is that he finds out, that, you know, the kid who blew up the Death Star, that his name is Luke Skywalker. And I mean, how common is a name is the name Skywalker? You know, like, <laughs> it's just kind of like, well, you know, there's this scene where in Empire Strikes Back where, you know, Vader is kneeling before this hollow of, Palpatine and he's saying I have and Palpatine says I have reason to believe that this this boy is the offspring of Anakin Skywalker and then Vader says like how can that be true because he is like well Padme died so what how did this happen and that's in my opinion that's when his turning starts because he realizes holy balls my my kid lived like my wife is dead my whole reason for being alive is dead but my son isn't and so I think that's when it starts but then and like you said like his heart's not really in it at that point because he just he's obeying the orders he's been given but and he thinks that he can't be saved but then it comes down to that he you know does does what he's done and you know, it's, it's very, it's very interesting to see his resolve come back, you know, mm -hmm. um, when he, you know, yeets Palpatine down that exhaust pipe. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, I, there's a lot of, there's a lot of poetic beauty in, in Star Wars, especially in regards to Anakin and Vader. Um, just very cool. Very, very cool. And that was, you know, instrumental in, for me, in understanding, like, the true nature of, like, sacrifice and redemption and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. And people, and people are like, oh, well, like, he only did one good thing and lots of bad things. And I'm like, okay, but like, also... Like he didn't, he didn't just do that. He also like, he died. You know what I mean? Like he gave his, his, life. his life. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the universe, you know? So, exactly. so yeah, exactly. And you're right actually about Empire Strikes Back because when he fights Luke in that movie, he offers him a chance to join him and overthrow the emperor. And it's like, Oh right! He wants to be with his son. He hates Palpatine. Like, he hates him. Like, come and on! I, he's like he's giving himself away there. It's like actually, I don't want. It's like this is a chance for, this is a chance for me to get rid of Palpatine and be free of him. And well, and that and that's really what it comes down to, right? And so and so Palpatine says to you know in that same scene, the 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 hollow scene, he says like. Um, he must die. And then Vader says, well, he might be a powerful ally if he can be turned. Yeah, like, and as then, in, let's not kill my son. Yeah, <laughs> and then Palpatine's like, 
I, that sounds good. Like, why don't we yeah, try that? The Palpatine's agenda is to replace Anakin with Luke. Oh, 100%. Because that's what he's been <laughs> doing the whole time. He yeah. replaced Maul with Dooku. Um, and- so there's there all these multiple plot lines going on. Like, yeah. Uh, and it's, yeah, I have to watch it all again now because it's all... <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh yeah i didn't even see that before you know so it's yeah i mean darth vader is like a an analysis of unresolved grief and what happens when we let grief mm-hmm. control us and and overpower us you know we get into certainty and we start doing bad things out of fear we let ourselves be controlled and manipulated we we are not free um yeah when we when we choose to feel our pain and our trauma and our grief and name it and talk about it and experience it, then mm-hmm. we are free. Like, and, yeah, like Anakin is an example of what not to do. Oh, um, yeah, 100%. That's why it feels so hard for him because it's like, well, I could have gone down that path, like, with my yeah. grief, you know, um, if I'd not, if i just buried it for forever, you know, um, I was really angry as well. I had a lot of anger. For sure. I mean, how could you not? Right. And it's like, and that's that scene where, you know, like after he's, you know, killed the Tuscan Raiders and he, you know, is upset and Padme is like, she can tell that there's something going on with him. And she's like, what happened? And he's like, I killed them all. And she's like, oh my God. And then he's like, he realizes that he's messed up. Like he knows that what he did was wrong, you know, like, and that's why he says like, I should be better than this. And then there's that whole, you know, like that Messiah complex, because like you tell a small child that they're the chosen one that's supposed to bring balance to the force, you know, like what outcome are you expecting? Right. And then she says like, you know, to be angry is to be human. Like she's basically saying like, the feeling that you have is valid and true. Like what she doesn't say is the way you acted on it was incredibly sus, but like, you know, it's that concept of toxic masculinity, right? It's the stoicism of it. And I think that the way the Jedi teach about emotions um, contributed to that. And, like toxic masculinity in the sense of, like you said, like not resolving your grief or not feeling it, not facing it, not naming it. That's what creates villains. That's what creates hurt people who are going to go on to hurt people. And um, I think the church does that sometimes, a lot of times. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I have a lot to dive into there um yeah this has been a really great conversation i've i've learned a lot myself i'm gonna have to go back and re-watch all those movies again now um what's been i mean like to finish what's been the biggest lesson that you have learned through those movies and that world oh that's a great question It's a really great question. Um, I, I, and I think, I think there's a couple of answers to that because there is, you know, the power of, as she says, is like the power of love, you know, um, and the redemptive power of love. Um, and, um, Yeah, that's, that's, I, you know, that's what I would, I would really, really say is the biggest one, because you have, you know, for example, you have um, Han Solo, who is, um, you know, like you said, like, a bit of a rake, and, (laughs) you know, like, he's, he's a rogue, and he is out for himself, and he's a smuggler, and he, you know, he's got all this stuff, and then at the end of the first movie, like, he's leaving, and, and Luke is like, well, I guess we don't matter to you, and whatever else, and, but then he, he does return, because he realizes, you know, that he's a part of something bigger than himself, and he loves these two people. He loves Luke and Leia, 
Um, and that's the other thing is that it's not necessarily romantic love either. It's platonic love. It's familial love. It's um, love of justice. It's love of freedom. It's the love of, um, you know, doing the right thing for the sake of doing the right thing. It's for, you know, the love of people you don't even know. Um, you know, it's just, there's so, there's so much love in that series. And, mm. um, and I think that's my favorite part of it and why I will never, it'll never not be my favorite thing because you just have these characters who love so deeply and make mistakes. Um, but it's love that saves them from those mistakes, you know? So you've got that scene in the last Jedi where, um, where Luke is, you know, astral projecting onto crate and he, you know, shows up and Leia says like, I'm glad we're together at the end, you know? And, um, you know, the whole no one's ever really gone kind of thing. Um, just really, really powerful imagery because, you know, Luke made the mistake of thinking that going away and being on his own and cutting himself off from the force was the right call. And through that film, we learned that it, it wasn't. And he realizes that it wasn't. Um, and then you've got, it's, it's, his love for his sister, you know, that, um, that, you know, brings him, brings him back to reality in that sense. Um, I could go on about them for, I don't even know how long, just forever. Um, <laughs> I, you know, that's, that's really it. That's, that's the biggest thing for me is just love and, you know, willing to sacrifice and, you know, and, and and like we talked about before, like trusting yourself and trusting the people around you. Um, yeah, just that that's that's really at its core what it what it does for me for sure. Fantastic. That is fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, it's been really, 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 really great. Um, where can people connect with you on online? So, um, my Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram are all the same handle at Leia Hut Slayer, um, L E I A H U T T S L A Y E R. Um, and you can find me on Twitter, uh, TikTok, and Instagram. TikTok and Instagram are new, so they don't have a lot of content on them yet. Um, but I am consistently crying about Star Wars on Twitter, so please join me there. Yeah. Um, love to have you. Um, and I'm open to Star Wars questions at any time. Um, love, love chatting about those things uh, pretty much all the time. Uh, but yeah, that's where you can find me online. Fantastic. And do follow, do follow Emma. She's amazing. I love this one. I, favorite people to interact with on Twitter, especially as a geek. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, yes. yeah. um, so, um, yeah um thanks emma for being a guest and uh thanks for listening everybody 